0: welcome to the education marketing leader podcast with chris raposo if you're looking to dive into the latest industry insights draw inspiration from education success stories or just want to sharpen your marketing skills you're in the right place here we bring you a diverse range of voices from experts and leaders in the
1: field offering you a unique blend of professional development and practical strategies whether you want to understand your audience better stay updated with the latest
0: tech trends in marketing, or expand your professional network, we've got you covered. So while you're driving on your morning commute or winding down after a busy day, let's explore the dynamic world of education marketing together.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Education Marketing Leader with Chris Raposo. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Josh Charles. He's the Director of Web Strategies at Rutgers University Business School. Josh, welcome to the show. Ah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It's good to have you. Um, My listeners are probably well familiar with you because, first of all, you're great and active on LinkedIn, and you're also... um, on a lot of podcasts. This is how I found out about you and that's why I invited you to the show. So I, it's my pleasure to welcome you. So it's an honor and I thank you for that. And just doing a little bit of research on you, you know, like I do in all of my guests, um, learned a little bit about you and your education, found out that you have a master's in digital marketing from Rutgers University. And you've worked in uh, at your alma mater since 2010 and you worked your way through various positions there. And you're currently the director of web strategies at Rutgers Business School, as I mentioned. And you're also a board member of High Ed Web, which my company, Hannah Hill, supports as well during their annual conference. But let's talk about you, a little bit of background about you, and why you chose to dedicate your career to the higher ed industry.
0: Uh, sure. So for a little bit about my, my background. So first of all, I actually graduated with a degree in game design and web programming because websites and programming for the early 2000s was sort of where my interest was. And then I realized that, okay, the game industry is, is not for me. So I uh, I found and stumbled upon Rutgers and through, I believe it was three promotions over the last um, many, many years, uh, eventually I was like, okay, well, Mark, Marketing seems like a fun thing to do, and I I like education. I like the idea of people learning and, and not just bettering themselves, but bettering the people around them, whether that is family, coworkers, and things like that. Uh, so for me, it just, it felt like a natural transition to go from web programming way back then to marketing. And then that leveled up to web strategy, governance, leadership, a um, lot of fun uh, things. And that led me to where I am now with the master's degree in digital marketing, as well as being a huge fan of Hyatt Web and also a board member and currently vice president of the association.
1: Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. I know you're going to be in Albuquerque, is it? New Mexico this year?
0: Uh, Yes, September.
1: Very good. We'll be there. We'll be there. So, But let's talk about uh, web strategy in this episode because that's one of the particular things you focus your career on and you're very good at. So because higher ed has so many audiences, could you start giving us an overview of the role of web strategy in higher education, particularly as it comes to retaining new students, which is really important with the demographic enrollment cliff coming up here soon?
0: Uh, Sure. And... You know, I, I like to think about this in, in two ways. So, like, there's a specific way and then there's a broader way. At a specific granular level, like, high, higher ed websites are supposed to be, like, your digital front door onto uh, that institution. And ideally, they are the place where you kind of talk about, like, who you are, like, how can you serve your community? And um, because every institution has their own business goals, how can you support your business goals through your website activities? Um And that's for prospective students and and many other groups for current students that you can sort of add on there, like, okay, how how can a website help them find their academic resources and just let them know about the institution? Now, at a broader perspective, though, and kind of coming back to prospective students, websites should really be one aspect of a broader marketing and communications strategy, um, particularly having that strategy be informed by the needs of the audience and the strategic goals of the organization because at the end of the day a website is just it's just one part of a customer journey and mm-hmm. i i like to start by understanding the audience what their journey is and how can we connect our Business objectives as an institution, as well as uh, our overall communication and marketing strategy to that audience, and then from there, website is a portion of that. I, I just like to keep that in, in mind because I, I don't want to uh, and I don't want to view websites as just sort of in a vacuum because you know they, they are certainly a big part of it, but that's not the only uh, aspect. So I like to start there for uh, prospective students, and then of course you can get into particular engagement strategies with those audiences on websites, which we'll, we'll certainly uh, get more into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd like that you said that there are two ways, you know, it's a granular way and the broad way to to look at it. So could you share your insights on developing a content strategy that resonates with prospective students while also accurately representing the universe brand and value?
0: Uh, sure. And, and so um, one thing that I, I, I like to also just in mind is like when i when i say we and i talk about we there's a fantastic team of current and former members um that are all being represented uh in that and i i definitely want to give them praise and, and credit for all of the things that we collectively are able to accomplish content strategy is one part of that and some of the things that we like to talk about is first of all content strategy is sort of defining who your audience is and who it's not. It always comes back to to audience. What are their needs? What are their journeys? And that's gonna be different for the different, uh, different parts of the audience. That's sort of the first part. The second part is understanding our own brand, our values, our tone, voice, what's unique uh, and special about us. Just having a real good understanding of what that is that may require some market research and, and brand studies and things like that from um, external partners. However, it ends up working out. It's important to have a good sort of grounding about who we are and what is uh Particularly special about us because our, our students, for example, is, is one aspect of what's unique about us. No one else has our students. It's not just about um, our outcomes and, and other things that Rutgers may be known for. I, maybe something that's talked about a little bit less is that students are also part of what makes the community and the culture at the institution uh, unique. So start by defining the audience, um, who they are, who they are not, what their journey is understand our own brand, our voice, our, our values, what's unique about us, and then understand what touch points along that customer journey, um, we can connect what makes us special too. So that might mean thinking about, okay, if a student starts us on social media, how can we engage them there? Once they get to the website, how are we doing that engagement? If they fill out a form, which is ultimately one of the ideas, and they come into our CRM and our marketing automation platform, how can we continue to create opportunities to engage via tools like personalization with uh, emails and, and segments and things like that in order to get them to take some sort of action ultimately leading up to either a conversation with an admissions uh, representative, going out an application, things like that. So again, like content strategy to me is like all about the journey who we are, and then sort of connecting those two along the touch points of that journey.
1: So Let's about content here because you, you addressed that too, where people, how you communicate to them on social media and then bring them to the website and how you communicate to them on the website. What sort of content types have you found to be most effective in engaging prospective students and how should universities approach the content creation part?
0: Uh, yeah, so this one is um, is interesting, and, and I, I am very fortunate to be able to uh, connect with higher ed professionals across the, the country via Hyatt Web or AMA and, and other um, uh, groups. One of the things that um, I, I think stands out to me is that uh, something that might work well for the business school is a little different than engineering students or law students, just like undergrad students are a little bit different than grad. I think when it comes to, to content creation, the content that is particularly resonating, um, we found that it's content that speaks to the emotions, like what is the experience? How can I see myself here? Um, do I belong here? Sort of trying to answer those uh, questions, that's sort of A. And then B is, um, how do I just do this thing? Like, you know, the the um, the transactional uh, content, I wanna know how I can contact someone, what's the quickest, fastest, easiest way to do that? And do we have content that speaks to that so that they can find what they need to do, take an action and get out of their way? Like, so the emotional side, the transactional side, those are the the two sort of buckets. And then, you know, within there, um, part of the uh, experience uh, in the emotional side, for example, uh, just to give a little bit more detail, Let's say that you're an out-of-state candidate and you're trying to potentially move across the country to come to New Jersey. So besides Bruce Springsteen uh, and The Sopranos or um, Eminem filming music videos or Batman movies being filmed, it all happened in New Jersey. Um, you know What else is that experience like, not just in the facility, the building, or on campus, but in the surrounding neighborhoods uh, mm-hmm. for example what, are, what is entertainment life like um, they don't it, it, you have to sort of assume that they don't know anything about um the, the general area and that goes doubly sure sh- uh, for international students uh, so just thinking about how can we speak to the different perspectives of of the different um segments that we have in our in our audiences to make sure that the content is helping to frame um, Rutgers Business School specifically as a destination that for them on an emotional level, as well as a transactional level, once they start to feel good, get them to where they need to go, uh, whether that's financial aid or anything else that they need to to do, that content um, is what we start with. And then I would also just uh, quickly add that once you start creating content, also want to have a measurement strategy for like an experimentation sort of culture so that you try different things, uh, see what's working, see what's not working, uh, run baselines and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like that, that part about the belonging. You know, we're uh, all big on, you um, know, communications on diversity, equity, and inclusion, but also belonging, right? So when I went to school as a non-traditional student at the age of 30, I didn't necessarily feel felt like I belonged. As, in, as, a, as somebody at a later age, from what I've seen on uh, billboards, because I saw a lot of uh, young students uh, advertised, you know, the traditional age students, um, until I actually got on campus and I saw in the evening schools that everybody basically looked like me, everybody came from work. Um, so communicating that belonging on a website for certain target demographics is also super important. Um, which I think that that will be valuable right from the front gate as people walk into your digital front door to, to show them that, but some ways to show them that is through personalization, I think on their, on their website. So I don't know if you're doing any personalization strategies, but how can institutions personalize their web content to better connect with prospective students? And what are some successful examples that you've seen in the, in the past?
0: Yeah, so this is a topic that we've been sort of circling in and out of for a number of uh, years, and we so there's a few different ways that we've uh, looked at it. I've uh, I heard your your your, uh, your podcast with um with Cat, the CEO, uh, Hannah Hill, and I, I think she had a um a really grounded approach to this. So for us, there's the at a base level just make sure that we are using the right language and visuals to speak to the particular audiences that we are trying to connect with. So uh, one of the examples that um, actually uh, Kat gave as well, which is something that we try try to do as well is, if it's an online program use imagery that is more reflective of that particular audience um, same thing with international students um, just trying to be more uh, strategic and thoughtful when it comes to baseline what can your cms just do uh, then there's i would say a higher level to that um, which typically involves your personalization engines uh, I, I know uh, clive uh, is in hill's product aquia lift is something that we initially started to explore maybe five years ago, um, whether a institution or a marketing team can uh, get to that level. I, I think that's kind of where we are. One of the common constraints, which uh, I've heard echoed in many other places, is you know it's, it's mainly a resource thing, trying to make sure that the people who are responsible for marketing to students are also responsible for web services or event management and other th- priorities, I would say, that happen within the institution. And whatever time is left, uh, you know, it goes to something else. So we haven't quite uh, gotten there, but even if you don't have that level of technology, I think having at least a thoughtful strategy for how you might pursue that, so you can be able to say, this is where we are, this is where we could go, if we address A, B, and C, I think if we sort of start there, it's at least a pathway to that uh, if the resources issue is is addressed. But again, at, at a very base level, can we just make sure we're using the right language and images and videos and all of those things that are particularly helpful to engage the audiences that we know we have, uh, to which there are many across our web pages. If we can do that, then that's a start. And if you go beyond the website, again, to um, CRMs and email marketing platforms and things like that, most of the platforms out there already have uh, personalization techniques uh, embedded in them. We can do well there, even if we're not necessarily where we wanna be uh, website-wise by using uh, many of the different features that Uh, uh, Salesforce uh, Marketing Cloud and any other platform provides.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to share a quick uh, example there of uh, why it's so important to personalize and also segment your audience. So we're currently working towards uh, putting on our annual user conference, a Cascade user conference, right? And I have um, posted a blog about meet the workshop speakers, specifically for technical users. Um, But me being a little bit greedy, I just do one email and to put it into a master audience and just blasted it to 5000 people who um, the majority of them are probably strategic and they don't really care about the workshops. From that email I got like 30 unsubscribes I was like oh my goodness, I better start segmenting the audience right so a couple of days later I sent another email, but only to the technical folks and hardly any unsubscribes and a lot of ticket sales through that. You know, it's just the example there that personalization does really work and you don't want to throw in the whole kitchen sink there. Um, but you, you talked about some of the images. Uh, it's important to have the right images, the right language. Let's talk about the design of a, of a hired website. You know, what design elements do you believe are essential for higher websites to effectively engage prospective students if you don't have a personalization tool that tailors the content for you? Yeah. And, and
0: so one of the things that I've had the privilege of seeing over the, the many years is that I, I think in in 2024, while web design itself is continuously evolving, um, it, it's fairly mature at this point. Like we're, we're not getting wholesale revolutions of design anymore. So instead of trying to jump too far ahead of that curve, I'd like to keep it grounded. Like the website needs to be visual. Um, you know, it, it has to be visual um, and it has to be authentic, uh, particularly for um, younger audiences. Like, I, I think that is a huge component of what should be any higher ed website going forward, unless it's something where the website is specifically designed for faculty research or other topics that may be a little bit outside of the the, the main scope of prospective students, okay, there's, there's arguments to be made about that. But I think your main school website um, should be highly visual and authentic to the audiences that we're trying to cater for. That's one thing. Second thing is a search bar or some search for functionality that actually works, um, that is good at finding the right information and, and interpreting what folks are trying to search for, even if they don't necessarily spell or use the right keywords and all that stuff, it has to be able to work effectively and, and anticipate what the user is looking for. And then once it finds that content, be able to highlight what uh, hopefully the, the user is looking for. So search is, is still very important and that's not gonna go away. Related to that, um, I would also add in the navigation, Uh, you know, (laughs) website navigation has to be uh, simple, intuitive, it has to function, it has to be able to highlight the main sort of buckets uh, that represent the institution or whatever that particular website is, and make it as easy as possible for that user to get there on desktop, tablet, mobile, whatever device they're using. Um, It has to be uh, uh, good now, (laughs) and it has to be Great, in 2024. Um, a few other things that come to mind, uh, even when you get a, get, a, get outside of uh, search and, and visuals and, and menu navigations, it should be very clear to the audience, the user, what is being asked of them. Um, now, there, there are many different ways to sort of think about that and, and do that. But like, for example, if I'm going to a website to try to learn more information about a program or I want to sign up for an open house or whatever the case may be, it should be patently obvious how to do that thing. Um, and once I find out how to do that, the actual task of going through that form or that process should also be simple and, and be devoid of errors and things like that. Um, so CTAs, that, that should be critical as well. Um, I think one sort of sort of piece of this that I would also like to add is uh sometimes when we have conversations about web design elements from as as higher ed folks uh we like to i guess a nice way to put this is uh distinguish between design elements or content or functionality and technical sides of things None of that matters to the outside user. Like it, it's all one experience. Like I, I'm, I'm happy to talk shop with, um, with fellow folks behind the scenes about, um, how those different components can work and be involved, evolve, and things like that. But I, I like to just keep in mind that to the user, it's one experience, and it could be a great experience, and it could be a bad experience, and we can figure out how to make that a great experience. Um, but at the end of the day, the website design. It's it's the way it functions, what it looks like. It should be better, faster, easier. If you can do those three things, however that ends up being accomplished to make sure that the user can do what they need to do and engage with the business, that is the ultimate goal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that you pointed it out. Better, faster, easier. And if anybody has any questions about that, you know, reach out to Josh. I'm going to link him in the show notes so you can uh, talk behind the scenes as well. I highly recommend reaching out if he offers that. Now, let's talk um, some case study, for example, like some of the biggest challenges you faced in developing and implementing a web strategy for Rutgers. And how did you overcome that? Can you share one of them that may come to mind? Mm-hmm.
0: uh yeah so uh for folks who don't know uh Rutgers is the largest public institution in New Jersey i believe we're at like 70,000 students or so 10,000 uh staff uh, across all of the different things well beyond communications marketing things like that three three main campuses as well as uh, many off campus locations it is a very, very, very large institution. And with that comes familiar challenges, um, centralization versus decentralization. Uh, you have centralized uh, website design strategies. You have governance policies and teams that that work together. The thing that I think is important to recognize is that every institution is going to be different. Uh, and what I mean by that is that the challenges and the priorities from for me as a web strategist at the business school at Rutgers may be different than the folks at Drexel across the pond, uh, across the way in in Philadelphia or Montana State University or Old Dominion, for example. Um, what I found to be an interesting challenge that we have since figured out ways to be um, really really uh, efficient at is recognizing the structure and the organizational structure of how comms, marketing, web folks are situated and what policies are, what the standards are across the, the entire university. So for example, I don't want to just think about web strategy or communication and marketing strategy just in the silo of the business school. I want to be mindful of how what we do website-wise also influences what the central admissions team, for example, uh, if, if prospects, uh, prospective students are going to their, their website first and then coming over to the business school, you want that experience to be as seamless as possible. Now that's a different group that runs that website, just like it's a different group that runs Rutgers.edu. So the lesson here is that collaboration across all boundaries within an institution is really important. We don't have to be the president or anyone like that in order to try to force things to work the way that we want them to work. That's not the right approach. The way to approach long-term success in large and small institutions is to build bridges and collaboration and figure out who are all of the players involved with all of the different websites and touch points of where your audience could be going and make sure that you're having conversations, you're on the same page, you're talking strategy, you're having that time to be able to make those connections and work collaboratively together so that you're ultimately serving the customer at the end of the day. And again, you can imagine that can be quite a challenge with the size of the uh, Rutgers University, but... We have fantastic conversations uh now with web leads at different schools at the campus level it leads uh, and all of that ultimately serves web governance it serves accessibility which is also hugely important to websites Um, brand which is a big conversation right now as we are slightly revamping the Rutgers brand so that has been a um A challenge initially when we were trying to figure out like what decisions that we should make with our website redesign several years ago. And now as we sort of think about what the future is like in a more centralized uh, environment, just make sure to make those connections and make time for people.
1: Yeah, make time for people. I like what you said, build bridges. And it's not a us against them approach, but a cohesive, you know, becoming a cohesive unit. Because at the end, it's all about the prospective students right and making sure that not only at the institution brings them in but that you set them up for success in the long term they become alumni it may become donors they may become referrals you know so looking at the longer view and ju- not just your small little pocket of uh department that you have at a business school or something you know look at the larger picture overall now there's something going on ai is really hot right now generative ai How do you see the evolution of web strategies in higher education, taking into consideration AI and the rise of it? And what should schools be preparing for in the future?
0: Uh, so it's an interesting uh, space. We've been talking about it uh, casually internally for the last couple of months. Um, so for example, some of the thing, ways that we've tried to sort of dip our toes in that is start simple, try to use um, Chat GPT to come up with how would you write a marketing plan for a new graduate program, for example, which is something that we did last night. Um, I, I think more than anything, part of our concern is not trying to guess necessarily where the industry might be a year or two from now because it's changing that quickly. But at the very least, make sure that we have a basic... Uh, understanding of how some of these technologies work, particularly AI. Um, some of the ways that they work in general, A, but then also B, some of the ways that other folks, specifically in higher ed marketing, have been able to use them uh, lately. Uh, so, for example, Jamie Honk, um, <laughs> you know, Old Dominion, uh, she has had many presentations uh, on different ways that AI is being used. I know um, Mallory from Element 451 has also done that. So, at a at a very... Sort of basic level. One of the early goals that we have in our group is to start learning on our own, but then come back together. Some of the ways that we could potentially uh, utilize AI for marketing purposes, uh, and then also not not look at it just as a um, a tool for the staff, but also how could this technology be used by the audience? Like, what are the ways in which they are using it to change how they search for college and ask different questions and things like that, get in their shoes and understand what that journey looks like and what that technology, how that technology can influence um, the traditional ways in which students of very, uh, very different walks of life uh, can continue to to search. So I'm li- really looking forward to the journey. I, I want to be very honest and, and say that we are still learning a whole lot um, right now, but I think the intention uh, is important and not trying to say that we're going to, or any team is going to be able to solve X, Y, and Z, but just start simple, figure out, okay, this is a new area we have to learn. We have to learn for ourselves. We have to learn for our audiences, start there, start working our way through the next couple of months, set milestones about where we want to be able to say our education is, have group conversations about that so we can learn from each other, and then start figuring out how we can continue to implement ways to experiment with that so that we can be better prepared, I would say, by the start of the fall semester, be be at a better place. Um, And that also includes continuing to talk to third-party partners about what that might mean as well. We can't just sort of be on our own silo. There's a lot of experts already in the area, so we can learn from them as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you dropped a couple of names like Jamie Hunt. And I also want to add to it, uh, Bart Taylor from the Higher Ed Marketer podcast, they actually put on an AI summit a couple of months ago, uh, which was very interesting. So follow Bart or look into some of his uh, episodes on the higher ed marketers in regard to AI and how to utilize it as a higher ed marketer. So Josh, final question, what's one piece of advice you can give to a higher ed marketer who wants to improve their web strategy in 2024,
0: uh, the, it's 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 really the the same advice that I would give to anyone starting off in, in, in marketing. I've had the privilege of uh, actually uh, networking with a few uh, new folks to Rutgers, and the same thing that I say to them is is get outside of your comfort zone, surround yourself with people who are going to celebrate um, learning new things and educating themselves and and growing. Uh, That might mean going to conferences. It certainly means listening to podcasts and and reading articles. Uh, Just be around people who are going to help push you to grow as a person uh, and grow as a better marketer. And that can only bring great things for somebody's career, but also the work that they end up doing to serve their institution and their audiences. Uh, so that's that's the thing I, I start with the most. There will certainly be a time, if you're a web strategist for tactical discussions on uh, personalization and content strategy, web design. There's, there's a whole lots of material out there for that, but at a fundamental level, think about growth uh, and learning and education, because that curiosity is going to make it much easier to to learn, hear different perspectives, and want to go out there and, and learn as much as possible about our our field uh, of, of web strategy.
1: Absolutely. I love that advice. Be curious, not judgmental, as Ted Lasser would say. Josh, thank you so much for your time today. How can people get in touch with you?
0: Uh, So the the two quickest ways, I'm always on uh, LinkedIn, uh, and then I am always available via the Hyatt Web Slack channel.
1: Awesome. Josh, thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you. Take care.